so glad you could join us for mornings at YCVC today. We want to thank you for being a part of our online family and we hope that this message encourages you, blesses you and helps you grow in your walk with him. So let's get into the word. Well, good morning once more and um, yeah, welcome to those who are uh, with us uh, for the first time this morning. I pray that you feel uh, really welcome this morning uh, as part of our church family, whether you're passing through or you're exploring whether this is a place you'd like to call home. We, we pray that you're blessed in your time with us this morning um, and um, yeah, it's a joy to have you with us. Uh, so uh, this week um, I want to return a little bit um, to what was our, our, what is our vision theme for the year. And so with lots of things changing uh, throughout this year, including me shifting uh, in my role to the Baptist Association and uh, the church seeking another person to lead this church locally, uh, but also other things that were coming, emerging from uh, COVID, though that's still a thing in our world, of course, we're emerging from the biggest impacts of that on the life of our church. Um, and so... Uh, we're emerging from that. There's been a bit of a transition in other areas of leadership. There's, there's a new season uh, that we're embracing and moving into as a church. And so some of the things we talked about uh, this year that were, were focuses for us were to be refocused and recommitted as a church. To, after this time of COVID where we haven't been able to gather uh, in person as, as much as we would have liked, that this is a season, a new season, um, to refocus and, and recommit. Um, to God's church. Uh, another thing was that it's a season for ploughing and sowing, that there might be work to do in this season and giving to do in this season that, that doesn't lead to directly, oh, the fruit's here next week, that it's, that it's effort and, and, and investment that we pour into the life of the church that, that leads to fruitfulness in seasons to come. And it's a season to be renewed and reshaped by God to allow the church, to allow God to come and refresh and renew his church. <clears throat> And so specifically today, uh, after reminding you that, I, I want to take some time to encourage the church in our giving. And so as Dan said, I'd be happy to have a conversation with you about the giving. Well, we're going to have a little bit of a conversation uh, about that this morning, about our giving. And so this picks up that idea of sowing faithfully. Uh, and as we picked up when we're talking about our, 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 our vision theme for the year, sowing faithfully is something that you do do now in the hopes of a future harvest. You don't harvest, you don't reap on the day that you sow. You sow, uh, you tend to the soil, uh, you water or, or God gives the rain and then later on a harvest comes. And that's, that's what our giving is like. Uh, and so today I want to share a few ideas that I've taught uh, previously around our finances and around our giving. Um, and, and there's a lot that we could say about this, but today I just want to encourage us around our giving. I want us to think about that. And so uh, Dan's already prayed, but I, I'm going to pray briefly again as we jump into thinking about uh, our finances, as we jump into thinking about um, giving uh, to God's work through the church. And so, Father, I pray that you would uh, guide us today as we, as we think about what it means to be a part of your church, as we think about giving. Um, I pray that any um, lies, any false attitudes, any false beliefs that we've picked up around giving uh, would be broken off. I pray that we would be released into the joy and freedom of giving uh, through your word this morning, in Jesus' name. 
And so when we think about giving, I, I want to take a step back from that. When we think about giving, I want to take a step back to think about uh, who, what we have belongs to. And, and so when we think about our finances, the first thing I want us to grab as those who have faith that Jesus that was the one through whom God created everything, as we've talked about recently, those who have faith that the earth belongs to the Lord, I, I want us to, to begin with this point in Psalm 24 verse 1. Um, I've got a lot of different passages I'm picking up this morning. Um, um, so feel free to, to look up that verse if you like, but I'm going to pick up a few different um, sections of Scripture this morning. Uh, Psalm 24 verse 1 says, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. And so when we think about giving and we take a step back from that to think about the bigger picture that it fits in, that's the, the understanding I want us to begin with. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. All that exists belongs to the Lord, including me and including you and including everything that we have. This is the foundational understanding that we need to begin with. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Everything I am and everything I have comes from God. And so that's where we need to begin when we, when we think about finances, when we think about giving. And, and so it's not coming from an attitude of how much of what I own do I give. It's coming from an understanding that everything I have, everything I possess, and that's so much more than money and finances and possessions. It's, it's our time, it's our energy, it's our resources in every single way. But everything belongs to God. Not just what I choose to put in the bag on a Sunday morning. That, that's important, that's valuable, and I speak of that metaphorically for many of us because I know a lot of us do our giving online, digitally. Um, and, um, but it's not just about the little bit or the big bit whatever portion that we choose to give towards God's work, we start with the understanding that it is all His. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. And this especially does, though, include our finances, our possessions. Uh, in Deuteronomy chapter 8, um, God's speaking uh, through Moses to his people and, and it's talking about a time when they'll come into the promised land. And so we know the story of Israel. Um, God freed them from Egypt through miraculous signs and wonders and acts of power. Uh, they were to journey through the wilderness uh, to Mount Sinai, receive uh, revelation from God and enter into the promised land. Uh, they, they had a hiccup of not trusting the Lord, uh, so they spent an extra 40 years uh, in, in the wilderness before entering the promised land. And so the way that God provided for them in the wilderness was um, primarily through manna, which is, we don't fully know what it was, but it was a bread-like stuff that fell on the ground six days a week, and they gathered enough for that day, except for the day before the Sabbath, they would gather twice as much so that they didn't need to gather on the Sabbath. And so that was how God had provided for them for 40 years. There was other times where God would you know, cause a flock of birds to come and uh, die in convenient places so they could have some uh, bush chicken, uh, so to speak. Uh, but God provided for them miraculously, delivering it to their doorstep. And so in Deuteronomy chapter 8, God's talking about a time when they're going to be in the promised land. He's saying, you're going to sow and reap. You're going to plant and harvest. You're going to work now to produce your own wealth and produce your own food. 
And um, he's saying in this season, in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 17, he says, You may say to yourself as you're in the promised land, My power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. And so that's the, that's the trap that we can fall into because, you know, not many of us, and I haven't heard this testimony amongst this church community, wake up in the morning, go out to our front yard and gather manna that God has placed on the ground for us. Most of us receive our provision from the Lord by working. And so the temptation, the trap to fall into is, I worked for it, and so I got paid for it, so it's mine to do with as I wish. That it's mine, mine, mine. And so God's warning his people, you may say now that you're in the promised land in a few periods of time, that no long, now that it's no longer bread from heaven, literally, you may say, well, this is, this is my effort. This is my work. This is my power. This is my strength has produced this. So it's mine. And so God warns him, and he goes on in verse 18 to say, But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth, and so confirms his covenant which he swore to your ancestors as it is today. And so God encourages his ancient people Israel, and I believe he wants to encourage us that we need to remember that it's God who gives us the ability to produce wealth. Just because I have a job, or two jobs at the moment, but just because I have jobs and I do the hours, I do the time, I do the work, and I get paid for that, doesn't mean that that is any different to manna from heaven. Just because I work hours, just because I have skills and abilities uh, that, that produce that for me, I don't get to say, it's mine because I earned it. God wants us to understand that our paycheck is no different to manna from heaven. It is his provision for us. He is the one who gives us the ability to work and produce wealth. He has given us gifts and skills and abilities. And so your paycheck, your wallet, your bank account, your home, your time, your energy, your gifts, your abilities, your body even, is the Lord's. Full stop. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. And that includes our, our finances. That includes our possessions. That includes our paychecks. And so that's where we begin when we understand. We don't begin with the how much of mine do I give. We begin with the understanding of it is all his. And so how should I use it in a way that honours him? Because the scriptures are very clear that we are called to honour the Lord with our wealth. Another word for another way of explaining wealth would be money and possessions. We're called to honour the Lord with our wealth. In Proverbs chapter 3, verses 9 and 10, it says, Honour the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. And so God calls for us to understand everything that we have as belonging to him. And so if it belongs to him, we're called to honour him with it. And so though we might call it our wealth, we're called to honour the Lord with it. In Matthew chapter 6, um, Jesus is speaking to his followers about wealth. And in verse 19 and following that, he's talking about our relationship with wealth. And he uses not the word wealth or money and possessions. He, he uses the word treasure. And then later he uses the word money. And, and, and he speaks of our attitude to it. 
He says in verse 19, Do not store up for yourself treasures on earth where moths and vermins destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For whatever, wherever your treasure is, your heart will be also. He goes on to say, The eyes are lamp to the body, and if your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Then he returns more explicitly to the uh, concept of money, wealth, treasures, possessions. He says, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And so to honour the Lord with our wealth is to have this understanding that I don't serve money. That it is not my goal. My goal is not to store it up and treasure it and, and accumulate it in this life to build a bigger pile. That is not the goal. You cannot serve building a bigger pile and God at the same time. If that is your goal, then you cannot serve fully God as your master. And so honouring the Lord with our wealth means that God's kingdom priorities, not the cultural priorities, must invade our understanding to money, possessions, treasure, wealth, the stuff that we have. If we're to honour God with it, then we have to seek God's kingdom first with it. And so today I want to go on to talk a little bit more about sowing, about, about giving. But I want to say that honouring the Lord with our wealth is so much more than just giving. There's, I guess, a, a lie we might tell ourselves if, if, we, if we are people who give, whether that's to the church or somewhere else, of like, well, I've given my bit and so the rest of it's mine, I can do whatever I want with it. Well, I don't believe that's been faithful in our stewarding of the wealth that God's entrusted to us. Uh, to honour the Lord with our wealth is to honour God and, and have his kingdom priorities in the way that we earn it, in the way that we save what we save for, in the way that we own what we own, in the way that we spend what we spend, and yes, in the way that we give. Um, and so today I'm just touching on one section of that, on the giving, but I want us to understand if the earth is the Lord and everything in it, then, then we should honour the Lord in, in every aspect of how we use money, possessions, wealth. Um, we actually, a few years ago, did a, a fuller series on this. We called Faithful, and um, so I put on Facebook the link. It's back in the dark ages, so there's only audio, there's no video. Um, but um, it was, a, it was a, a series where we explored kind of a bigger picture of, of being faithful to God with our time, our energy, our money, our possessions. And so we'll pop a link up. Um, it's on the website if you want to find that. And so if we honour the Lord with our wealth, then giving is a primary part of it. And indeed, that's, that's kind of the, the concept that we get from uh, that Proverbs verse, honour the Lord with your wealth, the first fruits of your crops. It's the context is of, of honouring with giving. And so in 2 Corinthians um, chapter 8, verses 7 and 9, the Apostle Paul is writing to the church at Corinth and uh, he says this about giving. He says, but since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness and in love, we, in the love we have kindled in you, see also that you excel in the grace of giving. I'm not commanding you, but I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. For you know that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that... Though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. 
And so the Apostle Paul is saying to the church, you excel in everything. You excel in love, you excel in faith, uh, you, you excel in, in uh, speech. That's you know, not just they speak really well, that's they excel in, in speaking about God uh, in that sense. That there might be a little bit of a sarcastic tone to what Paul's saying about, about how they excel in these things. But, but he says, you excel in all these areas of faith. See that you also excel in the grace of giving. That this is, this is also an important aspect of our faith. And the grace of giving implies that this is something that God enables. Grace is God's empowerment, his enabling, his gifting of us. And so Paul's saying that we should seek to excel in that grace, that we should seek to be empowered by God in our capacity to give. And he gives Jesus as the example. He says, take a look at Jesus who was rich. You know, that seems like not a big enough word, like Jeff Bezos, who, I don't know, I can't keep up with who's the richest person at the moment, whether it's the guy who sells things on the website or the one who makes electric cars and shoots rockets into the, the world, you know. They're trying to build a big pile, but it's all pointless if they don't honour the Lord with it and I'm not judging them in what they do with it. But he gives Jesus as the example of being rich, which is he's richer than any uh, human wealth. He <coughs> is uh, the creator of everything. And he says, Jesus was rich, yet became poor for your sake. He gives that as the example of us being givers. And, and so from this we get the idea that our giving should be sacrificial. We should excel in the grace of giving, and our giving should be sacrificial. It should come at a cost, just as it came at a cost to Jesus and some of us might remember that little snippet of a story that, that Jesus told his disciples after witnessing people put money into the treasury uh, at the temple and some put lots of money in and there was a widow who put in just two copper coins and, and so he said in, in my eyes, essentially this is paraphrasing, in my eyes those two copper coins are far more valuable than all the money these more wealthy people gave because she gave out of her lack. And so he's touching on the, the nature that, that sacrificial giving is following in the model of Jesus. Excelling in the grace of giving isn't about how much money you can put in the pot or the bag. Sometimes we have used a pot here when the bags have gone missing. Grab a pot from the kitchen. It's not about how much you can put in the pot. It's the grace of giving is about what you're giving out of what you have. And so this woman who had two copper coins giving that was excelling in the grace of giving because she gave sacrificially. In the next chapter, uh, Paul's talking about this idea of, of giving for a couple chapters here. And the context of this is a, is a particular special offering to relieve the poverty of the believers in Jerusalem. But it gives us concepts more broadly about giving. In, in chapter 9, verse 6 and 7, he says, Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And so here he picks up again. Yes, before he said we're called to sow sacrificially, giving Jesus as the model. Here he says we're called to sow generously. That, that we sow generously, because those who sow generously reap generously. And, and, and the idea here is clearly we pick up reading between the lines. He's encouraging us to be generous sowers. But he says, decide it in your own heart what you're going to give. 
And so it's not something that I stand at the front here and say, you know, you're going to give this much, you're going to give that much, you're going to give that much. It's not, a, it's not something that even the Apostle Paul would dictate to them how much they're going to give. He's encouraging them to consider in their own heart how much they will give, remembering that it's, the idea is it should be sacrificial, it should be a generous sowing, but ultimately to decide in their own heart how much they should give. And I would encourage us as we seek to live this out that that would be a prayerful act. That we would seek to pray and be led by God in in that act of how much we shall give. And he also says, not under compulsion. And so he's careful here with his words and as we often are here and and Dan said this morning because we've got some uh, first time people uh, in our building this morning, we don't want you to feel compelled that you have to give. And I would say, and I would go even further uh, than Dan I get to because I'm still the pastor, if you are giving because you feel like you have to because we say, we don't say this, but you feel like we're saying you have to give, then put it back in your pocket. And go to prayer with God about your giving and seek to be led by him in what you can cheerfully give. Yes, generously. Yes, sacrificially. But cheerfully and with joy. Not under compulsion. And so if your giving is is under a sense of of lawfulness and weightiness and, and you feel compelled in an unhealthy sense, that, that you have to give but you don't want to, then I want to encourage you to hold on to it and, and take that to God and say, I don't want to give this, God. Can you help me to excel in the grace, the God-enabling of giving? Now, I'm not trying to reduce our offerings this morning <laughs> by any means. But I know that the testimony of my life when I, when I give out of cheerfulness and joy of what I'm sowing into God's kingdom, the, number, the, 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 the amounts that I feel uh, able to give just grows and grows. When I give out of a sense of, well, I have to, either if it's a biblical legalism thing or if it's a, well, we need to keep the lights on and the staff pay thing, if, if we give out of a compulsion kind of thing, then, then it's, well, how much is enough? But when we give cheerfully and joyfully, when, when we seek God's grace in our giving, it releases us to seek, how can I possibly, how can I give more? How can I grow my income? How can I grow in my capacity to invest in what God is doing? It, it switches the framework. And that's what I think Paul is leading here. He's saying, I, I want to give you examples of other givers. And if we read this whole chapter, you'd see that he's giving examples of how the Macedonians have given. Jesus gives examples of how the, the widow gave her two copper coins. We want to give examples to to encourage us on, but, but he's saying, don't do it out of compulsion, but with a cheerful heart. We get to give. In uh, 1 Corinthians, in chapter 16, Paul gives some um, 
some practical advice around uh, giving in six, uh, 1 Corinthians 16, chapter 2. And again, this is about that same specific offering, but we can glean um, some general principles from it. And so in chapter 16, verse 2, he says, On the first day of the week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income, saving it up so that when I come, no collections will have to be made. And so, yes, again, that's about this specific offering, but it gives us the idea that I think our giving should be something that's regular. And, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be the first day of the week. The way uh, we practice that in, in our family is well, we get paid fortnightly, um, not on the same day, but kind of when, when the pay packets align to be in the bank account, that's when our giving will go. It's a regular thing that we do um, on the first day of our financial fortnight, in a sense. And so Paul's encouraging us that our giving should be something that we regularly do. If we save it up to give, you know, and I know some people, their pay packet is maybe annually um, at harvest or at shearing time and things like that. That's, that's still regular. I'm not, again, telling you how to do it, but trying to encourage us around some biblical principles that it, it, it's something that we give regularly and we give first, not waiting to see what's left over. And he also says it's in keeping with our own income. We're called to be wise givers, not foolish givers. We're not called to give what we don't have. And this is important in a day where, you know, in, in ancient times, though you could accrue debt, most people could only really end up at a point of zero unless they had um, significant means to borrow money from others. Most people could end up at zero or end up in prison. There was kind of those options where we have the capacity to end up well below zero uh, in this day and age. And so that's not what God's calling us to give out of. He's calling us to give out of wisdom in keeping with our own income. And, And so as followers of Jesus, we are called to excel in the grace of giving. That means sacrificially, that means generously, that means cheerfully, that means regularly, but it means wisely. It's, it's a decision, it's a heart decision, but it's a decision that we make in keeping with our own income. And scripture is clear that giving leads to God's blessing. Giving leads to God's blessing. And, and so in Malachi chapter 3, we, we have this passage of scripture. Malachi chapter 3, verses 10 to 11, it says, Bring the whole tithe, which is, is an Old Testament way of referring to the offering that was given at that time to the temple and that had a role of providing uh, for the priests and Levites and, and, and the worshipping system at the time. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that, you, uh, may, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see, it will, see if I will not open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be enough room to store it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops and the vines in your field will not drop their fruit before it's ripe, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. And so God's, so giving leads to blessing. And it's one of the few things that God encourages us to test him in. Usually the vibe with God is don't test me in this, trust me. 
But God's, God's encouraging Israel in, in, in this, this uh, moment where they're back in the land after exile and that. Try this out. Test me. And, and so if you're not someone that's in a place where, where you've experienced the grace of giving, where it's something that you find really hard to release a portion of your finances towards uh, God's work through the church, uh, I want to encourage you to take God at his word. Run a trial. See how it goes. Decide in your heart what to give. Your heart, in keeping with your income wisely. I am not saying drop your entire bank balance into the church and see it triple. I am not saying that, and we're going to touch more on that in a moment. What I am encouraging you, if you've not yet experienced the grace in order to give towards God's work through the church, then try it. See how it goes. See if there will be enough. If you get to the end of your pay cycle and and there's never quite enough and you can't comprehend how you could possibly give when there's never quite enough, then I want to encourage you at the start of a pay cycle, wisely in your own heart. At this point, we're not talking about church needs money. This is about you experiencing the joy of giving. Try just a little bit at the start of that pay period and see if God's true to his word. Will there be enough at the end of that pay cycle? There might be decisions he leads you to throughout that pay cycle to make financial decisions. And Paul also touches on this in in 2 Corinthians. He, Of course, we've already read that he says that those who sow generously will reap generously. But he goes on to say in verses um, 8 to 11... Um, I'll read 7 just for context. He says, Each of you should give what you've already decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And then in verse 8 he says, And God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will bound in every good work. As it is written, they have freely scattered uh, their gifts to the poor, their righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower, this is getting back to that idea that everything is the Lord's, He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion and through us your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. And so when we give, God is able to bless us with all that we need. We can trust him as the provider of the seed that we already have in our bank account to sow some of it and trust that he will give us more seed, uh, speaking metaphorically there of seed, of course, um, give us more seed to replenish that. And and he says, and God will be able to increase the store of our seed. He'll be able to give us more. He's able to enrich us in every way. And here we see the crossing of of finances and righteousness that will overflow in righteousness. But the aim here of this increase that God gives us is that we'll be able to be generous on every occasion. And, And so this is where we kind of separate out the idea that is very biblical that giving leads to God's blessing and what is taught in in what's commonly known as a prosperity doctrine or prosperity gospel. We separate out the idea that giving leads to God's blessing because a prosperity gospel will say, if you give, you'll have lots and you get to enjoy the lots. 
Whereas what the Apostle Paul is saying is if you trust God and if you give, if you're generous with your giving, he's able to bless you. He's able to increase your, your, your storehouse so that you can continue to be even more generous. A prosperity message says that we give to get rather than to grow more in generosity. This is, uh, which we're not touching on that scripture this morning other than referencing it. This is where uh, Jesus is saying that those who are faithful over little will be entrusted with much. It's all God's already and always will be. It's just about how much is he entrusting to us. A prosperity doctrine will say that we give often a specific amount for some hope of some specific financial outcome. The message will say, if you give $1,000, then God will give you that new car. Like, I'm trying on my... I apologise for our American friends that I went to an American accent uh, when I was trying that on. But that's what a prosperity and that's what a false prosperity gospel will tell you, that if you give this much, you'll get this much or you'll get that thing, which, which this is not what the scripture says. It says if you're generous, then God is able to bless you and increase you, but it crosses over, as I've already said, it's not just about your bank balance will grow, it's you'll overflow in righteousness, which is a spiritual reality. But he also says you'll be able to increase your seed, your, your storehouse, which is uh, metaphorically speaking of a financial reality. But, but there's no clear line between you give and you get this specific thing. That's what a prosperity doctrine will tell you. A prosperity doctrine will also tell you to give beyond your means in the hope of becoming rich in the future. As we've already read in 2 Corinthians uh, the scriptures encourage us to give wisely and, and according to our own income. So I don't give according to someone else's income and they're not called to give according to my income. As our income grows, if it grows, so does our capacity to give. And so I want to encourage you to be, beware of the prosperity gospel or doctrine. Beware of that because it's a lie. But also beware of that lie's power to rob from you the truth that if you are growing in the grace of giving and generosity that God wants to bless you. Because I think so often that the reaction of those who aren't in that kind of prosperity doctrine vein is to react so far against it that we're afraid of having you know, a heading in our sermon notes that says giving leads to God's blessing. Because we don't want to engage with that lie. So beware entering into that lie that, that giving leads to, 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 you know, being Jeff Bezos, the next Bezos or Rocket Man. Musk, Rocket Man. Um, that's the lie of the prosperity doctrine. But don't let that lie rob you of the truth. That when we're generous, God is able to bless us more and more. The testimony of this scripture is clear that when we so generously we will also reap generously. Giving leads to blessing in ways that we can't imagine and comprehend. And giving also leads to God's glory. So to jump back into 2 Corinthians to continue with that reading um, from verse 9 to 12. Sorry, 12 to 13. 
It says, This service that you perform, this giving, is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the service by which you have provided yourselves, others will praise God for the obedience that, you, that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given you. Thanks be to God for this indescribable gift. And so what Paul is saying is that when we give, it leads to others praising God. Uh, sometimes that's a direct line. This is, as I say, in the context of this, this is people in poverty being blessed directly with financial giving and so they praise God because their poverty has been relieved. Sometimes that's a less direct line if we're giving to missionaries, uh, to mission work overseas, then we're supporting them so that they can live in that country, so that they can share Jesus with others and, and our giving then uh, enables others to come into a place where they will praise God and glorify him. And so our giving enables the, the mission of God that every breath, everyone who has breath would praise him. And, and so I've said all along <clears throat> that, that these Corinthian passages are about this specific offering that, that Paul is encouraging uh, some of the wealthier churches uh, and all the churches uh, throughout the known well, the the world that the New Testament engaged in to give towards those who are in Jerusalem who were under heavy persecution, who couldn't earn uh, money in that environment, yet chose to stay in Jerusalem where Christianity was born. Uh, it's giving to relieve their poverty. <clears throat> and, and as I've said, we can, we can draw principles for our own giving out of that. But, but I want to touch on briefly, not in numbers and figures, but what happens when you do give to Yas Community Baptist Church? Where does that money go? And I want to encourage you that when we talk about giving, that I think the primary place of our giving as followers of Jesus uh, should be to the local church in which we are a part of. We are called to be generous on every occasion as we overflow, as our seed increases, and, and so there are lots of fantastic organisations um, that, that do work uh, with impoverished people, and I want to encourage you to give in that space as well. Be generous in every capacity that you can find to be generous. But I want to encourage you that the greatest investment you can make with your finances is, and the greatest calling on our giving is to the local church with which you're engaged. Uh, so when you give to Yas Community Baptist Church, uh, that money goes to organisational costs. If you run a small business, um, you'll know that uh, people you know, what think, uh, uh, might sometimes be surprised at the cost of your products. And they're like, how can it cost that much? And, and when we do that, well, when we say we don't see the cost of having a building, the cost of keeping the lights on, uh, the cost of insurances, the, you know, the cost of all of those things um, uh, of, of just being in an organisation. And so it does go to organisational costs. When you give to YCBC, it goes towards our staff salaries and the associated cost of employing staff. Uh, and that includes... Uh, my current role uh, as a pastor, but as you know, as we've said this morning, and hopefully it's not shocking news to anyone um, that's been a part of the church for a while, that um, I am transitioning to a Baptist association role and the church is seeking a new pastor. And so our giving will go towards paying uh, the employment of that pastor. Uh, our giving also goes directly to ministry. Uh, our kids' church are experiencing a world-class kids' ministry program this morning that our giving pays for. Our giving goes uh, towards running outreach ministries in our local community like um, Messy Church and um, 
you know, COVID scuttled it for a while, but we run community movies, we, we, we do things like that. Our giving also goes to, as a church, we give, um, both to overseas mission, but also to our collective movement of churches, the Baptist uh, Association of Churches, New South Wales and ACT. Uh, we give to support that collective work as a church. Um, and so when you give, you're supporting the ongoing ministry and mission of YCBC. Uh, that's what you're doing with your giving. It's an act of worship, it's an act of generosity, it's an act of sacrifice. Uh, and, and I want to encourage you to not think too heavily about the practicalities of those things, but I want you to know that when you give, it's enabling those things. That as a, as a church, that we're called to, I guess, support the ministry of the church. And so there's a spiritual dynamic and there is a practical dynamic to that. I also want you to know that there is no other funding stream for the church that's significant. I mean, sometimes someone will hire the building and that will give us a couple hundred bucks a couple times a year. Uh, but there's no other significant funding stream for our church other than our offerings. Uh, and that means so we don't get financial support from the Baptist Association. It's actually as Baptist. It's the other way around. Um, and so um, I'm really encouraged to be a part of this church that um, has funded itself, has sown uh, generously into the work of the church, that we've been able to grow, that we've been able to pay staff, and, and, and that's super exciting that we've been able to do that year after year as a church in a small, smallish rural community. It's a testimony to the generosity of the church. So I, I, I want you to know that there are practical things that your giving goes for. It's all used for those things. You may see some of our staff, you know, at Trader & Co or some of the other cafes having coffee regularly, uh, but we pay for that ourselves. That's not a, a whinge. I think that's what we should do. But I say that to say that it, none of it is spent on anything but ministry and mission and employing those who do that. I, I want you to be able to give with confidence. And so as we wrap up, and uh, Carl, this is your early nod. So you can go and collect worship team members. As, as we kind of draw to a close, I want to circle back around to where we began, that this is a new season for this uh, local church. And I want to encourage you that this season, though, is a season to sow faithfully. Uh, a chasing season can lead to hesitation in giving, amongst other things. And I want to encourage you, if this is your uh, primary church family, to not be hesitant in your giving. Uh, I want to encourage you that it's not a time to hold back and wait and see uh, who and what time brings, but to sow faithfully now. Um, there's a final scripture I want to read in Ecclesiastes chapter 11. Ecclesiastes chapter 11 verse 4 says, Whoever watches the wind will not plant. Whoever looks at the clouds will not reap. And so what it's watching on here, if, you, if you're sowing uh, and it's windy, all your seed will be blown away. Uh, and so what, it, what it's suggesting here is that if we, if we watch for the perfect conditions to sow our seed in an agricultural sense, if we're, if we're watching the wind for the perfect moment, then we may never sow our seed. He who or she who watches the wind will never sow. If we watch for rain, which is the opposite end of the agricultural cycle, obviously, but, but you want to harvest your seed while it's dry, not while it's wet. If you're, if you're watching for clouds for that perfect moment where it's guaranteed not to rain, 
where you're guaranteed that nothing's going to go wrong, then, then you'll never actually harvest. And so the relevance of that for us is let's not get caught watching the wind as a church. Let's not get caught waiting for the perfect moment to begin our journey in the grace of giving or to grow in our journey of the grace of giving wherever we're at in that journey. If we wait for the perfect moment or wait for the perfect pastor to come or, or wait and see if the church is, is going to be good enough to give to, then we'll never, ever... I love this church. It's a great church. It's a pleasure to be a part of. But if we wait for the church to be perfect enough, then we'll never sow our seed into it. And so I want to encourage us that now is the time to sow into what God is doing already and what he will do in and through Yas Community Baptist Church. And so if you're not yet someone who's giving, then as I've already said, I want to encourage you. Give it a try. Spend some time with God this week and go and ask him. Make that decision in your heart in prayer with God. Where should I start? Is it a copper coin? If you can dig one up. We often talk about a 10% tithe as a ballpark. Is it 10%? Is it more? And so if you're not yet giving into this church or if you're primarily part of another church into that church, then I want to encourage you just to do that time with God. Where should I start? If you're already giving um, and you're on that journey, then I want to encourage you this week as well just to go to God and go, and ask him what it might look like in the season to come to excel in the grace of giving. To review that with him. Think about what, what might bring you joy to give. But my encouragement is don't wait for the perfect conditions, for the perfect season, for the perfect church for the perfect pastor. I have not been perfect and I can guarantee you that the next pastor won't be either. I believe that'll be great, but not perfect. Don't get caught waiting and holding on to that seed, never sowing it. Let me pray. We declare, Father, that the earth is the Lord's and absolutely everything in it. We thank you for those times that you have provided us in ways that have seemed like manna from heaven. But we thank you also that it is you that has given us the capacity, the strength, the skills, the abilities, the wisdom, the knowledge, the training to be able to work and earn wealth. We thank you for that and we declare that though it seems like our effort, though it seems like our work, though (coughs) the temptation is to say, I have done this, we thank you that that is a gift from you just like manna from heaven. We declare that the earth is yours and everything in it. And so I pray, Lord, this morning that you would help us to honour you with our money, with our possessions, with our wealth, with our treasure. 
Help us to honour you, Lord. Father, I pray for each and every one of us a great expression of gratitude that you meet us where we are at and lead us to where you would have us. And so I pray this morning as we explore this week, each of us, as we explore what it looks like with you to excel in the grace of giving, whether we give nothing or whether we give much in this season, I pray that you would lead us towards excelling more and more in the grace of giving. I pray that you'd be faithful to your word, that as we excel in giving, as we are generous to you, as we sow into your church, that that you would make both our righteousness, not in a legalistic sense, but in in a faith sense, our faith would increase. I pray that our storehouses would increase, that you would enable us to be more and more generous. Father, I pray for those who are a part of this church community that have a responsibility to steward Uh, the offerings given to the church. I pray for wisdom. I pray for your guidance that you would help those people to make wise and godly decisions about how the money entrusted to this church is used for the advancement of your kingdom. And I pray, Father, that as we seek to excel in the grace of giving, I pray that our giving whether through straight lines or curving lines that flow through people and years and seasons, I pray that our giving, Lord, would lead to your glory. That people would praise your name. That people would come to faith. That our giving, that our generosity would, would be one of the things that you use. to see the lost saved and found in Jesus. And so I pray this morning, Lord, that you would guide us by your spirit to help us to honour you with our wealth. And I pray that you'd help us to excel in the grace of giving. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us today. As you head back into your week, we want to encourage you to stay in his word, stay in his love, and stay strong in your faith. Don't forget to keep up to date with what's happening via Facebook, Instagram, or via our website at ycbc.church. See you soon.